Also, I want to introduce to you a very special guest today. His name is Jeff Christofferson. Jeff uh, has many hats. Uh, for one, he works with the North American Mission Board and is, what is the chief missiologist for the North American Mission Board. North American Mission Board is the arm of the Southern Baptist Convention that really looks at North America and where the needs and how we should be planting churches and reaching people in North America. The missiologist is the one who studies missions and movements of missions and how we can be engaged in advancing the gospel right here in North America. He is also the co-director of the SEND Institute, which is a training for pastors to train pastors and church planters on how to advance the kingdom right here in North America. He is also a church planter and a pastor. He planted a church called Sanctuary Church in Toronto, Canada, where he currently resides. That church multiplied 15 times. And to, to do exactly what we're hoping to do by planting multiple churches, he has actually done it. And he has authored multiple books and so on, travels extensively. But uh, I just am so thankful uh, for Jeff. You know, we cannot do what God's called us to do of planting churches without great partners, partners like the North American Mission Board. And as you give to our church, we give to the North American Mission Board. So it's really a partnership. And so I wanted you to hear uh, Jeff's heart as he shares with us uh, what our future may look like as we go down this road. So would you give a, a nice, warm Texas welcome uh, to Jeff Christofferson? Come on up, Jeff. Wow, it's wonderful to be with you this morning and to, to I, I've been hearing, I've, I've known, been friends with Chad and Shelly for lots of years and, and he was sharing some of the heart of this church and then getting to meet your pastor uh, a few weeks back and, uh, and what's going on. Then, then being here this morning, you know, I, I knew I was coming to a, you know, first call and I was thinking, you know, First Baptist Church, I've, I've spoken at a lot of First Baptist churches and this isn't like any of them that I've ever been at. I'm just saying that's a good thing. And um, you, uh, you guys, there's something going on here that is really unique. And so I hope you know that you're in a special place. And God's preparing this. What, what, how churches kind of get off, I'll think, a little bit, is somewhere along the way, the church becomes the goal. And when the church becomes the goal, it becomes an idolatrous and powerless thing. Because the church was never meant to be the goal. The kingdom of God has always meant to be the goal. And the church of Jesus Christ is the vehicle to advance that big goal. And, uh, and so listening to the stories of these church planters that you're getting behind and the dream of, of planting all these churches around the world, tells me, tells you, that you guys understand that this church gets that we don't want to be this thing about ourselves because to be about ourselves, we have, to, we, we have to step out of God's operating system and do the world's operating system. And to do the world's operating system, you've got to be, you know, like a, you have a, an iPhone or something, and the, the operating system is the thing that kind of, it's the rules that that make things work and you have to follow by those rules and when the church is the goal it has to do the world's operating system that is you got to be the biggest 
the strongest, the prettiest, the fastest, the whatever the EST is that you need to be a part of. And so, so for a lot of time, um, a lot of us, a lot of churches, I think we've really been adopting the world's operating system. But the meta-narrative of Scripture from beginning to end is not the biggest and the strongest and the fastest and the prettiest and the richest. It's the weakest. The Bible says, The eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. And I got a sneaking suspicion that as, we're, as I'm talking to this group of people, that there's been many people in this room right now who can look back in your, in your past and remember a time where you sensed God was saying something to your heart that was a step of faith that sounded silly, that sounded impossible, and you talked yourself out of it. You say, I'm not good enough or fast enough or pretty enough or wealthy enough or smart enough. And, um, and you don't necessarily think that God can use you the way God wants to use you, but that's not the way it's ever worked. You look through the scripture right from the very beginning, God goes to the old folks' home and finds Abraham and Sarah. Hey, you're going to be mom and dad for a new nation. I mean, we could just go story by story by story by story, and we get to Jesus, and, uh, and we sang a song. Did we just sing a song? He, he, he left heaven, and where, where, does, where is the place that uh, we're going to put Jesus to make this new world order? What is it going to be? A cradle in the dirt, I think the song was, right, that we sang? I mean, God does everything in backwards to the world's operating system. So if you have your Bible here, I'd like you to turn to um, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 20 and 21. These are ones you know, very famous verses. But I don't want you to read these maybe the way you normally read these about uh, somehow they require something from you. Paul had just already described the, uh, the, the way this whole thing comes down, how, how incredible God is, is the breadth, the height, the depth. The, and, and then verse 20 says, Now, because of all of that, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Now let's just look at this and put yourself in this passage, in this verse, okay? So the very first word is the word now. Now that's a tough word because we have a hard time with now. We, we, we think about the future and we worry about that and we think about the past and uh, some of us are paralyzed by things that have happened to that. And, and, but, but really, it's, na- it's the now of God where faith finds a home. It's the now of God where, where the activity of God happens. And I, to be honest, I have a hard time living here now. I spend lots of my life living in the future, and I miss the now of God. Uh, like I, I, I was, I've been a church planter most of my life, and uh, which translated means I never had two nickels to rub together. And, um, 
And, and we didn't have a honeymoon. My, my wife and I, we never had a honeymoon. We planted this church. We, we planted another church. We're on our third church. We're in Toronto now planting a church. And, uh, and we were married 15 years and still had never had a honeymoon. And, um, and so I watched an, an American Express commercial one time and I got a, an, a romantic inspiration, you know, from a commercial American Express. And, and so I'm going to sneak a honeymoon in with my wife, but I'm not gonna tell her. And uh, so she, she works at a university and I call her dean and said, um, um, these weeks she's gonna need off, but don't tell her. So if you can kind of rearrange things and he goes, no, or it was a she, she said, no problem. And, uh, and then I, I started talk, going through her calendar and canceling all of her appointments and, and, uh, <laughs> and saying she's not gonna be here at this time and told the reason. And I thought I had all my bases covered, then I realized, oh, you know, I'm gonna need to pack her clothes. But if I, if I I'm, we're going to Cancun, Mexico. We ha I've got this all figured out, no problems. And, uh, but I figure if I pack her clothes, I'm going to kind of set off an alarm, so I'm gonna have to buy her clothes. So I, I get a, 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 go through her drawers and start finding out sizes, and you ladies are complicated. I mean, guys, you just have an L or something and you're good to go. But you got letters and numbers and all kinds of stuff going on. And, and so I'm going through there and I've got a piece of paper. I'm writing down everything and I'm going to the, the mall and um, I, I'm actually in the ladies unmentionable department. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm looking at stuff and this one lady comes up and goes, Pastor Jeff, is that you? <laughs> True. And uh, no, 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 I'm not Pastor Jeff. I'm, I'm some guy that looks like, no, so I, I, I had to tell her to swear her to silence, you know, and tell her the story. I, did, I don't think she believed me. I think she thought I was a creep. And um, so we, we go this thing. So I, I, I used to speak at different places. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm driving. She's going she's gonna to drop me off at the airport. And, I have, and there's another person in the car. We're both supposed to be speaking. But really, he's driving the car back. And... Uh, when I'm picking you up and I, I show her the ticket and she sees where it is and whose name's on it and she goes, what? And, uh, and she gets off and we're in the airport, we go to Mexico and, and then I had a whole bunch of surprises. Like every day I'd plan something new and I'm going, honey, this is gonna be awesome. 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 Finally, she stops me and grabs my face and says, Jeff, this is awesome. Enjoy it. See, I'm missing all the good stuff because I'm thinking about the next thing. Now, we are about to experience a promise here, and, uh, and it's, it calls us to faith. It calls us beyond ourselves. We are overwhelmed. It doesn't sound like it makes any sense because God never calls us to comfort. He calls us to faith. Now, we go to Him. Because that's an important thing. If you want to get an idea of how big this hymn is that we go to, I was doing a, a scale of the universe and I took a soccer ball and a half a grain of rice and I had two volunteers come. I said, this soccer ball represents the sun and uh, this half a grain of rice represents the earth. How far should it be about? And uh, it was about three feet, so the person goes three feet. Get another volunteer, another soccer ball. Okay, the next star, where, where is it supposed to go? And, uh, and they, uh, 
No, I'm sorry, it wasn't three feet, it was 22 meters. It was 22 meters. And so that person goes 22 meters. Then the next soccer ball, where is it? And the person goes, well, it's pretty far. And so we started walking back and back. And I said, when you get from where we were in Toronto, when you get to Lima, Peru, stop. That's star number two. There's billions. This is the hymn we go to. Because the Bible says he is able, dunamis, this is, this is power, this is God's power. He is able to do, not, not just to talk about, not just to st- strategize, not just to scheme. And then Paul has to invent some words now to get, get across the picture. Uper, uber, super, duper, far more abundantly than anything you could ask or imagine. So let's back the bus up a little bit. God's got a call on this church for his kingdom, which means God has a call on you for his kingdom. You don't have what it takes because he's not looking for the strongest and the richest and the wealthiest. He's looking for the weakest. The people who will say yes to him in whatever he's asking. And he is able to do far more abundantly than anything that we can ask or imagine. The picture is a daydream. When I was going to start that third church in Toronto, we, had, we were doing a hippie commune. We really were. We had one 1,300 square foot uh, townhouse. We had 14 people and a dog living in this thing. It was three families, and we didn't know how we were going to get out of that. We had no partners. We had no anything. We just sensed that God was saying, move here, plant this church, and plant a church that would plant churches that if God would blow on this thing, who knows where that would go. And, uh, and this, we had this dream, and we were in a position of utter weakness, and we made a vow to God, a vow that every dollar he gave us and every person he gave us, we wouldn't see as ours. We would see as his. And we would live with open hands. We gave, gave a, an idea, a vision statement. It was a growing group of friends giving ourselves a way to reveal the kingdom of God. That was, that was the idea of what this church was, was going to be. And, uh, and you know, it was an incredible ride to watch what God did in that whole thing through utter weakness. To him, the Bible says, we, now we're scared, we're overwhelmed, so we go to him with our weakness and our fear because he is able to do far more super duper abundantly than anything we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him, the Bible says, be the glory. Now, this word, make, this makes a lot of sense because the word glory in Greek is doxa, which means weight. Like when you are weak and you have nothing and God does something through you, it becomes obvious that God did it. You don't have to say it was God. People look at you. People used to come and, and visit us and, and, uh, and it was actually kind of funny. They'd visit us from different places and try to learn things and they would meet me and they'd go, huh, <laughs> like I was expecting more. And... Uh, <clears throat> 
and, and this idea of God's glory, like, like I, well, I fly a lot, and you know when you get that middle seat, you don't want the middle seat because, you know, and if you do, I, I remember I was doing one flight from Toronto to San Diego, and a long flight, and, um, and I got the middle seat, and I had two great big bruisers on either side of me, and I'm thinking, rats, I can't work, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch a movie, and, I, and so I watch one, looking through the thing, and there's, ever heard of one called The Notebook? You ever see The Notebook? If you're a guy, don't admit it. And um, I'm, watching, I'm watching the notebook. I have a, actually a Marine on one side of me and a big guy on the other side of me. And I'm watching the notebook. And, um, and it's like sad. And I'm starting to tear up. And, uh, and, 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 and I'm just going, oh, what do I do here? And the only thing I can think of is unplug. And so I'm unplugging and trying not to start breaking down crying beside these two big guys. Get myself together, okay, plug back in. Ooh, here it comes again. And I went through three waves of almost bawling like a baby watching the notebook on a plane between these two big men. And it was like an embarrassing, humiliating kind of experience. But this is the picture of this word. When God's glory is there, when you are weak and you don't have what it takes, God does something. And His glory, you, gotta, you can't unplug from it. People are looking and it's an overwhelming experience. And, and His glory is revealed. Where is the sphere? In the church, the Bible says. The world needs to see the church of Jesus Christ comprised of just ordinary people whose lives work not because they do anything extraordinary well but because they're committed to the kingdom of God and following the king and the kingdom of God is what the world looks like when Jesus gets his way what your marriage looks like when Jesus gets his way what this church looks like when Jesus gets his way to him be the glory in the church and the object of God's glory is Christ Jesus. And how long does it last? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Like, throw a rock in that pond and see those ripples generation after generation after generation. See, we have a lie that we have bought, hook, line, and sinker that God uses special people. God uses weak people. If you feel this morning that you don't have much, but you remember a time in your past where you know that you know that God was speaking to your weakness and saying, follow me, trust me. And maybe you've built lots of excuses and reasons why you couldn't. Maybe this morning God is saying to you, let's forget about those reasons. Let's go back to that half a grain of rice and that soccer ball and the other one in Peru. And let's go back to that little half a grain of rice and see how big you are on that grain of rice. How, how strong your strengths are and how weak your weaknesses are. It's incidental. The God who spoke all of this into universe, it, this universe has a plan for that person sitting in your seat on that half a grain of rice for his glory. Let me 
end with a story that really just highlights this. See, my, I grew up in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. My dad worked for Molson's Brewery. He had a grade eight education and his job was to clean the beer steins, the beer vats, union job. And, uh, and the, only, the only fringe benefit they got for in the union job was to uh, bring home a case of Molson's every day. And he took home his case of Molson's. He took, his, he took his advantage of his thing and our family's trajectory was not good. Uh, my dad was fast on the road to being an alcoholic. Um, married, two little kids. My sister and I were preschoolers. And for some reason, he's decided in 1967 to take his wife, my mom, on, up to, on a date to go to a movie. Got a babysitter, got in their Volkswagen Beetle, and uh, went to the movie theater in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan that played a movie because there wasn't multiplexes then. And, uh, and so what was the movie? It was a movie called The Restless Ones. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know it was a Billy Graham movie. Went to pay and didn't have to pay. It was free. Walk, went into the theater, sat down and watched this movie. And there's a scene in the movie where there was a man and a woman in a convertible car with the top down and the radio on listening to Billy Graham preaching an invitation to respond to Jesus Christ. And during that scene in that movie, my dad reaches over and grabs my mom's hands and started to squeeze her hand. And, um, and, and the Holy Spirit was doing something inside of them. And they were hearing a message and an idea that they had never heard before. And then the movie comes to an end and the lights come up bright and, uh, and this man with a suit comes up to the front and issues some kind of an invitational response to trust Christ as, their, as your, your personal Lord and Savior. And um, my mom looks at my dad, my dad looks at my mom, and people were kind of uncomfortable in the room. And um, nobody went forward. And, uh, and then he excused everybody, and they went back and went into the parking lot and sat in their Volkswagen Beetle and started talking about the thing they just experienced. And in that parking lot that day, they both repent. And the Spirit of God who lived in them now. And they, they became hungry for the Word of God. They started reading God's Word. And they thought, we need to find a church. And they found this little Baptist church plant that was started in Prince Albert. Some of you might have heard of Henry Blackaby and read a book called Experiencing God. But it was that church that was, there was a part of. And this church saw as its goal that the gospel needed to go all over the place. And so new churches were being started, left, right, and center. And as a kid growing up, that was my discipleship process. I got to be a part of, of watching that. And, uh, and so you fast forward that story 35 years and, um, and the Graham ministry is gonna hold a crusade in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. My dad had law, long quit Molsonsbury, upgraded his education, took a welding ticket, started a welding business, and, um, and he was invited to be on the steering council of that, that, the Billy Graham crusade that was gonna be happening. And uh, it was actually Franklin Graham crusade. And, um, and so they're in this big conference room in a hotel and they have round tables everywhere and, uh, and a guy gets up to the front, comes to the podium and says, why don't we just share 
how it is that uh, the, the Graham's ministry has touched your life. And my dad's a tradesman. He doesn't like to speak in front of people. And his heart was just doing this. And he was the first one. He went up now <laughs> to that microphone. And he told that story. And he said, those two little preschoolers grew up in this church. And um, now the one, she and her husband are missionaries in Chile. And they've been there for 14 years. They're planting churches all throughout Chile. And that my son and his wife have been uh, church planters and they've been planting churches. His last church has multiplied. Because I don't know how many hundreds of people are in the kingdom of God today because Helen and I went to the movie that, that's, that day. And everyone clapped, yay. And um, my dad went and sat down. The next guy gets up. He's an old man and he doesn't shuffle his way to the microphone. He's just bawling. And he shuffles his way to my dad. And he just hugs him. He says, Alan, my name is Tom Dice. I'm a businessman. I put that movie on. For two weeks, I got up and issued an invitation to respond to Jesus Christ. And not one person ever responded. And he's just weeping. And he goes, I thought it was a failure. But praise the Lord, I can see and Tom Dice died after that a little while. My dad passed away after that a little while. They're high-fiving each other right now, I think, in heaven. See, every once in a while, God lets us look under the curtain of eternity and see what it is that our weakness and responding in the gift of faith he's given us has accomplished in the kingdom. But most of the time, we don't get to see it. And that's not the job of a subject. The king gives orders and subjects obey. What orders has God given you? Your life isn't about yourself. It has been bought with a very high price. This church isn't about itself. It's about the kingdom of God. God wants to do something in your weakness that is going to be a rock, a pebble that goes from generation to generation to generation, to generation, forever and ever. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this congregation and the culture that's here, the culture of Jesus. And I thank you that there's never been a time in history where we really have seen the kingdom work through strong men. We have seen the kingdom advance only through weak men and women. And Father, my prayer is that you would speak to us this morning and help us to step beyond ourselves and go to you who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond anything we could ask or imagine according to the power that works within us your holy spirit that you might receive glory in this church and in christ jesus that would go on generation after generation until you come again in jesus name we pray would you just keep your heads bowed for a moment? And 
in just a minute, I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith, asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. And maybe, maybe today is your day, just like Jeff's parents were sitting there in that movie theater that you realize you're selling your life short by living for yourself, pursuing things for yourself, and not surrendering all that you are to Jesus. The good news is when we were far from God, enemies of God, living our own life, Jesus came and he died on a cross for your sin and for mine. He was buried, he rose again the third day and he offers freedom and life and change and hope and significance to anyone who will turn to him in faith. So if you're here today and you say, you know, I'm not for sure that I really know God like that. I don't know if I've ever really had a moment that I gave my life to Jesus Christ and he's changed my life, but I want to. I want to know him like that. I want my life to matter. Then just with your heads bowed, just lift up your hand right now and I will pray, lead you in a simple prayer. I'm not going to call you out in any way, but I will lead you right where you're seated to pray a prayer to receive Christ. So just lift up your hand where I can see it. Just lift it on up right now. Just lift it up. All right. Okay. All right. Anybody else lift up your hand? I just need Christ today. I just want to be right with God. I want to know him in a deep personal way. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Last, last opportunity. Okay, you can put your hand down. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for forgiving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. I know that I've sinned against you. And I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. Please wash me clean. Please make me a new person. Today, I surrender my life to you, and I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your great love for me. Amen. Amen.